evening, and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the Asylum Assassin, Matt Costa, and Stephanie Burke. Science advisor Matt Moniz is not here tonight. Hey, Matt, what microphone should I turn off? Which one? Yeah, what number is that? Uh, that is number three. Number it three. It should yep. be number four, but it's number three. Yeah, okay, I just pulled it down, so there we go. So now I can still hear you talking. Yep, we're excellent. Right. Let me turn that light on, turn that light on. It went out again. Uh, it's still way better just, than the board we used to have. Those are just for aesthetics. I just don't want to leave a leave a hot mic open when I don't need to. But it's I'm gonna eventually put. I'm like the only person that can't remember those numbers. By the way, <laughs> it seems like nobody else has a problem with that but me. But uh, it, is that is that my close up camera? This one? Huh? The this one there? I don't know what that one is. <laughs> I just want to. I just want to know so that I can make sure that I put the subway product placement facing <laughs> yep, the right there way. Is. There we go. Perfect. Because I'm going fresh. <laughs> I'm going broke every week, dropping two dollars on that soda before the show. So this way here now, if I show the subway logo, then when I walk in there, they should just give me the soda for free. I they like should. that idea. We need to work on this sponsorship deals. We need more sponsorship deals with food. Can we at least do like milkshakes or something? <clears throat> Yeah, at this point in the game, we've been doing this show now. We just passed our ninth anniversary last week. Happy Yay. anniversary, guys. And, uh, and to all of you out there in spooky South Coast land. So we just passed our ninth anniversary. I think we've achieved at this point some level of, uh, what's the word? You know, credibility that mm-hmm. if we sell ourselves out a little bit, I don't think the audience will begrudge us too much. No. So let's work on some, some deals here. Let's work on bringing in some ads. I'm basically good. just bringing in some food. <laughs> right. I don't say no to food. Because it would be nice. Ever. You know, it would be nice to have a little bit of food here in the studio, maybe get some ghost hunting equipment, that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. I'm okay with the food first. That's what comes <laughs> with nine years' worth of uh, I'm opposed of to the, milk, the milkshakes, though. I'm opposed to it. What, are you lactose intolerant? Uh, it's the uh, the boys. They'll They'll be in our yard. Oh, um, right. Yeah. It, it will bring it. That that will be awkward. Yeah. I understand. Too so many boys in the yard. How about free cats? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, we don't need any more of those. Forever Paws? Is that... No, they still a sponsor? That we still... Yeah, we still do things right, with yeah. Forever Paws. Perfect. Uh, but uh, I think we have enough, uh, uh, you know, just enough animals between all of us. Kittens for right. everyone. You have, like, what, a thousand? I don't have a thousand. I have four. That's that's more than five if you count my husband. Yes, <laughs> he's listening right now, saying, "Move on from cats, please. Change the subject <laughs> before she gets any ideas." Well, we are here to talk about the paranormal, kinda, as we are each and every Saturday night, and uh, we are excited tonight because we we have a big guest joining us in just a little bit. It's going to be the return of Chris Balzano. He hasn't been on the program in quite a while. He actually stepped away from the paranormal field for a bit because, you know, life gets in the way sometimes of your your hobbies and your passions and and real life will intrude on your research and so he had to take a step back for a little while, all kinds of things going on. Now he's dipping his toes back into the paranormal water and he's going to do so right here on Spooky South Coast because tonight we're going to be talking about I don't know if you guys heard there's a football game tomorrow. No, I don't think I've heard. The New England Patriots are going to take on the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl tomorrow. And so we've been talking about this, and I've been trying to get predictions, Stephanie, from people. Mm. I didn't get any. Nobody is, you know, if I talk to people, you know, just random football fans on the street or people that I know and say, hey, what's going to be the final score of the game? I get all these people telling me, oh, Patriots are going to win 47 to 10, you know, picking these ridiculous scores and what have you. But if I ask anybody that is a self-professed psychic, 
They won't do it. They will not. And, you know, I don't know why that is because normally they have no problem. You know, we always do these silly throwaway right. stories of the newspaper where we will interview a local psychic mm-hmm. and the psychic knows that it's all in fun. We're not looking for a serious right. prediction. Your career isn't made or broken on what you say. Mm-hmm. But it seems like this one, maybe it's because of the, the closely matched teams that are involved. Maybe the fact that it's such a tight game in, in terms of the betting odds that maybe they're a little bit shy. Um, I want to probably guarantee you out there that... Uh most people that spend their time doing psychic readings don't watch football. <laughs> yeah. What I've noticed, at least. I'd say I'm a good a portion of them, sure. But they're not really into that sort of thing. I think it's more of a, a fear of being wrong and it hurting their credibility. Yeah, and that's what I'm, I'm thinking that it probably is. And any of you out there, whether you're psychic or not, during the course of the discussion, if you would like to share your predictions for the Super Bowl, you can either call us, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420, or you can tweet it to us on Twitter. Uh, you can send it to at SpookySC, or just put it out there on Twitter and hashtag it with Spooky Live. That's how you can interact with us, especially if you're watching on Spooky TV at SpookySouthCoast.com, which if you've never experienced that before, I know we have a lot of people. We keep getting more and more new listeners over the last few weeks. And if you've never enjoyed the program before, you probably won't now. No, <laughs> but if you've never enjoyed the show before, uh, you can always watch what we're doing here in the studio by going to SpookySouthCoast.com, clicking on Spooky TV, and we have cameras set up all around the studio here, and you can see it right on your screen. There's information there. The phone numbers are always under there, the Twitter, guest information, uh, and on the side, you'll see the, the chat icon, the chat option which is really just an aggregate of any tweets that have Spooky Live, hashtag Spooky Live. So if you put that in your tweets, we'll be able to see it during the course of the show. Sorry, all that soda. <laughs> so if you if you want to get into the discussion that way, you can do so as well. And, of course, you can email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. And I'm excited to have Chris back because we're going to talk to him. I want to talk to him from a football fan's perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, he loves the Patriots, so we'll talk about it a little bit from that angle, too. We'll get his thoughts on the game. But I want to find out what he thinks because when we were talking about this, and, and Stephanie and I have been talking about this topic for a couple of weeks now and we were saying we got to get somebody that can come on and talk about you know all these athletes mm-hmm. that say thanks to god or all these writers that say that it's a team of fate a team of destiny yep. whichever team it may be and do these higher powers these beings these deities do they care about what goes on in something as mundane in a football game or is it the matter of that is why they exist. They exist to have that influence in something as mundane in a football game because they're in all aspects of life. So it's a little bit of a heady topic, but I was like, who are we going to get to be able to talk about this? And in the back of my mind, all I kept thinking was, I hope I can get Chris Balzano to come Mm -hmm. on and talk about this. In years past, this would always be the subject matter where he would be our go-to guy. And I knew that he wanted to kind of come back and start getting involved a little bit more and I was like, oh, if we can just make this work, it would be a perfect fit. And it turns out I actually didn't get to ask him until just the other day because of all the crazy stuff mm-hmm. going on with the storm and everything. So I finally uh, remembered to ask him, and he said that uh, that he will join us. So we'll break all that down with him, a patented Balzano breakdown, as we used to call them in the old days here. I haven't witnessed so, one yet. I was hoping that was going to come back. 
I don't have the, I don't have the snatch, oh, snazzy music though. I gotta find that. I don't even know where to find that anymore at this point. But yeah, I don't know. We will. All our stuff is everywhere. But uh, before we get into the discussion, I'm gonna do one quick week and weird story. One story that I just want to share with you guys. Okay. And if you haven't seen it already, and share it with the spooky. I talked about it this morning on uh, on the Tim Weisberg show, which mm-hmm. airs Saturdays from six to nine on the new fourteen twenty WBSM streaming worldwide WBSM.com and the Radio Pup app. But before we get into that story, I want to ask you, Stephanie, you had mentioned how people that have psychic abilities, they don't want to risk putting Mm -hmm. their credibility on the line to make a prediction of a score for a football game. Right. We know that psychics tell us all the time, you know, I can't predict the lottery numbers. Right. Would predicting the score of a football game essentially be along those same lines as predicting lottery numbers? Because you could take that information and turn it into profit. You could or you couldn't. I mean, it depends. Um, depends on your intentions. If you're doing it for the intention of, you know, creating a profit, then yeah, you're not going to find out. Um, if I'm sitting here randomly and I just think I think this is what the score is going to be, and it happens to be it, it's just the luck of the draw. So it may pop into your mind, right. even if you're not looking for it. Right. Can you do it as an exercise for your own abilities to yeah, say? You oh, could. Absolutely. So you, and how would you do it if that was the case? Do you like? And I don't know, have you ever actually tried yourself to envision what the score of a game might be, something along those lines, just to see game, if you could? I no, but different exercises along that, those lines, absolutely. If you were, if I, and I'm not going to ask you, but if I mm-hmm. was going to ask you, you know, what's going to be the final score of the Super Bowl tomorrow, would you go through a process of just kind of like imagining what the final numbers would be? Do you go through the process of imagining how the game might play? Not imagining, but, you know, uh, uh Visualizing how the game might play out, how much of the how much of that has to play out in your mind before you can come to that final conclusion? It depends on the situation and the question. Sometimes it takes longer. Sometimes it's easier. I don't know why. I really can't even tell you how I connect. Um, that's I think the most common question that I always get is how does it work or what is it like and. Um, it's been this way my whole life. Mm-hmm. I don't really, I didn't go through a process of like normalcy and then all of a sudden, oh, this is how the process works. I never broke it down logically to figure out exactly what my brain's doing at that time. It's just something that I've always had. So I don't really know how it happens, but I guess the best way to explain it is, um, if you ask me a question, the first thing that I see in my, what they technically call it is third eye, mind's eye, um, what I see in my head, the first thing that that comes to mind is usually the answer. Well, I was talking with somebody recently mm-hmm. who was asking me about you know, how to develop these abilities. Right. And I know that we've talked in the past, and the, and the general consensus seems to be that everybody can kind of get to that point. You right. just have to be willing to work at it. Some people don't have to work at it. Right. Some people, it's already there. And so the correlation that I made for this person was look at it like this. Look at it as if you know psychic ability is running water. Mm -hmm. And for some of us, we need to build the sink from scratch. Mm -hmm. We need to put together all the pipes, put together all the plumbing, connect it all up, put the faucet in, and then turn it on. Right. Some of us just have the faucet on already, and we have to learn how to turn it off. Yes, that could be. So it's, it's kind of one way or the other. You know, you're either working your way into it, or it happens to you, and you have to work your way out of it. Um. Yeah, I I spent a long time trying to block it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're somebody that had the faucet open and had to learn how to close it. It's still like it it takes more effort to turn it off than it does to turn it on. 
um, or at least in my case. Other people that I've talked to that had the natural ability feel the same way, but it might not be like that for everybody. Um, I explain it usually. It's kind of like learning how to play a musical instrument. Some people will pick it up, and they'll automatically know how to play it fantastically. Um, and the more that you practice, the better that you get. And then some people, they can practice all they want. They can play it pretty mediocre, but it'll never get further than that. Um, the level of mediumship or psychic ability that you do reach um, can stall out at some point because that's just what's meant to happen. Well, and I think that uh, if anybody's trying to, if they were at one end or the other, mm-hmm. if they're trying to develop the abilities, if they're trying to control the abilities, I don't think focusing on the Super Bowl is probably the best way no. to go one way or the other. Nope. There's a bunch of little tricks that um, I teach in my classes that get people into that frame of mind without even realizing it. Um which kind of relaxes everybody because when you try so hard, like asking somebody to predict the football game, usually you're going to automatically your logical mind comes into it and it completely shuts off any type of psychic ability that you might have. I mean, that's where it would be hard for me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is not that I have any abilities or think that I have any abilities, but that's where it would be hard for me if I was trying to because – I look at games from a, a, a football writer's perspective. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at it as, as a fan of the game, as a fan of the team, right. which I have to, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing for me. Like I have to learn how to put my fandom of the team aside when I'm covering said team. Right. And it, it's hard to do with the Patriots, with the Celtics over the years because, you know, I, I love those teams. So by the time I'm sitting in the press box, right. you know, it, it, I go through such an experience that it's almost like I'm desensitizing myself to it as we go along. But I can't turn off that analyst side of it mm-hmm. either if I'm just watching a game as a fan. Tomorrow night, I don't have to write anything so far as I know. And I'm holding the paper to that. <laughs> but I don't have to write anything. I can actually just watch the game with the family and what enjoy it as a game. But I'm not going to be able to turn off that analytical part of it. Absolutely. And, you know, the same thing kind of vice versa. If I was, you know, covering the game and covering it analytically, I wouldn't be able to turn off the fan part. I would just have to damper it a little bit. So I think we all kind of go through the same process. It's just mm-hmm. we're not doing it in relation to the same idea. You know, we're, we go through it in all of our lives in different ways. Mm-hmm. Not about psychic abilities, but about whatever it is that we feel that we're strong in. Yeah, it's a subject that we could probably go on and on about for the next three hours. <laughs> and we will, at least for the next hour and a half. Right. Uh, coming up in just a bit with our guest, Chris Balzano, who will be joining us in just a few minutes. But before we get to that point, I have to share this story with you guys. And uh, we'll do it uh, as a formal a Week and Weird segment. More bad news. Well, i got a great show for you today. It's a wonderful The Week in Weird. Well, you can donate blood, plasma, eggs, even sperm. Why not poop? What? Thanks to a new nonprofit organization called Open Biome, you can cash in your tune, your your poop, to the tune of thirteen thousand dollars a year. Really? What? How yes. much poop would you have to produce? Well, <laughs> let me tell you. Funny you should ask that, young Matthew Costa, because this country, uh, this company, Open Biome, which opened in 2013, was created because 
there's a certain bacterial infection that some people are afflicted with called C. difficile. And you're familiar with C. difficile? Okay. And apparently it can get to the point where it's so painful, you can't even leave the house. You know, you're just, uh, the quality of life is terrible. And if you want to treat it, you have to go into an antibiotic regimen that will essentially, you know, just pump you full of antibiotics so much that you won't be able to use them for any other kind of infection. Any, you know, anything else that happens, it won't matter. You become immune to these antibiotics so fast. So they found a new way of treating it. They basically, they take healthy fecal matter from somebody else and put it into the gut of the person that suffers from C. difficile. Okay. They've done this uh, they've done this about 2000 times in 185 hospitals over the country uh, around the country. It, it's working. It's working. What That's they can correct. do is there's different ways they can do it. They can either give you endoscopy, which I assume is they're going to put somebody else's poop up inside you. Nasal tubes which probably isn't pleasant enough, just having those tubes shoved down your nose before you even realize what it is flowing through them, and finally swallowed capsules, which might be my preferred method, believe it or not. Poop pills. I don't think I could put that in my mouth. I think I'd go for the endoscopy. Well, we spent about 45 minutes this morning saying poop pills on the air over and over again. (laughs) So, yes, it was. Uh, So here's what they pay. You ready for this? Hashtag poop pills. $40 a sample. Hmm. With a $50 bonus if you can come really? in five days a week. Really? No. I can go in seven days a week. <laughs> yeah. So, listen, that's 200 Does it have to be a certain weight? <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. Yeah. That's $250 for a week of donations or $13,000 a year. Now, if you can dump off a 50-gram huh, sample, that mean. will take care of one person. All the way up to a 450-gram sample, which can take care of 10 people who suffer from C. difficile. So if you go and take a huge dump, yep. you are helping out 10 people. You could single-handedly save the world. <laughs> Just from the post... One, one, one poop is healthy. One poop at a time. <laughs> Just from the, the post-spooky South Coast Taco Bell trips alone, <laughs> you could save the world. But that's the key point. Stephanie is that he has to be healthy, and that's the problem. Is you don't just have to be healthy; you have to be really healthy. Right. Uh, so far, they've had about a thousand potential donors who have expressed interest over the last two years, and only about four percent of those people actually were able to be donors yeah, of fecal matter. Health. And four percent are super duper poopers. <laughs> Oh, my God. He's a super duper poop. I wish I had that YouTube video cranked up. So, But the screening process costs about $5,000 per person. So five grand just to find out if your poop passes muster. What is this article? I think I need to send it to... It's from the Washington Post. No way. It's on my Twitter. I tweeted it out earlier today. It's legit. Oh, my God. So here you go. This is your chance to make $13,000 a year just by pooping. I've been doing that for 37 years for free. Right. You just flush it. Right. I'm flushing away money. I'm literally throwing money down the toilet. So I'm thinking to myself, I have to relocate to wherever this place is so I can be right. a poop donor. Where is it? Medford, Massachusetts. No, I don't even have to move. Really? Well, anything but my bowels. So I could actually be a professional pooper right. for a living. You would so do that, too. Could you do anything I absolutely for a would. I would. I absolutely would. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to contact Open Biome. Please do. We want to have somebody from Open Biome on the Saturday morning show. We'll find out more about what this whole program is about. I'm going to ask them not only 
to... I want him to bring me a poop pill, and I'm going to take it on the air. I'm going to swallow no, a poop not. pill on the radio. Yes, I will. No, you're not. That's I will. disgusting. Somebody else told me, too. They're like, it can't be any worse than castor oil. It's like, I've never had castor oil, but I'll swallow a spoonful of that, too. I don't think there's any taste to it. They probably... They probably it's it's already broken it's down, like and it's going it's gonna like to taste, a- taste like an aspirin. Aspirin tastes terrible, and they, <clears> they like... Listen. That's why they have bear, and they coat it with sugar and stuff. I saw... I read something not really... Well, it's kind of related, but... Maybe um, poop candy. Somebody put on Facebook the other day um, about eating their placenta. I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. It, there's I thought, health benefits to it. Right, but I thought it wasn't legal, because how do you take that out of the hospital, blah, blah, blah. Somebody oh, really posted... Um, yeah, I've heard uh, people put it in their freezer. Yeah, they give it to you now. And then, like, take it yeah, home with it. You then never on the, could before. On the first, the first uh, uh, birthday, they make like a soup. That's disgusting. So that's tra- I, don't, I think it's like an Indonesian tra- uh, tradition or something. So Cam- Cambodian. Maybe. I saw somebody put up a link to this woman who comes to your house and puts the placenta in pills for you. I'm like, that alone is disgusting that's enough. That's like insides, yeah. but... Do you know the... Uh, what's... I, I like all this placenta talk. <laughs> Do you? Apparently, uh, you, you know, know that, a lot. The artist uh, Kesha. Yep. Uh, she had her dried placenta. Made I it, heard made, that, but I don't made know if it was a, confirmed. Made into a, a necklace. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I I heard about that, and I thought. I don't think I could do that, but I think I would rather swallow my own placenta <laughs> than swallow somebody else's somebody else's poop. poop. Would you swallow your own poop? Hell no. <laughs> oh, I see. Good enough the first time, no. not the second time. No, 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 no. That's disgusting. And I have clean poop, thank you. Well, but. I listen. <laughs> I, if they want to, if they want to bring the poop pill down here, or they want to mail me one or whatever, I will take it on the air. I am not afraid. I have no problem. I will absolutely 100% do it, but I want them to test my poop, too, and see. I will put it out there. I will publicly put it out there. I got a snort out of her. They don't have to do it here, but I'll put it out there that we'll, we will read the results of my poop on the air. I'm probably going to find out that I have C. difficile or something, you know, you would know if as you had a result of this, from, from making making fun of it, for making fun of the story now twice in one day. Like, you have it's a tape, highly you, contagious, you have a tapeworm. Like that's why they tell you, I don't know, like sharing bathrooms and stuff with people that have it. I had to avoid the work bathroom at my old job for that reason because somebody had it. Well, it was scary. I think uh, I think we'll have to look into it a little bit and, and find out a little bit more for you. <laughs> and uh, we'll certainly have follow up on it. I hope. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is one weak and weird story that I really care about. This is, this is one story you're going to cling on to? Yeah, he's going to go sign himself up. You're going to cl- cling on to it? Are they on Twitter? Cling, cling on? No. Uh, <laughs> I see what you did there, okay. but he wasn't catching on. I, was, I wasn't catching on. Matt, what, what's, the, what's the similarity between the USS Enterprise and toilet paper? I can't remember. Is it like Klingons around here? Both, both fly around here. <laughs> <laughs> white boat Klingons. All right, that does it for the week and weird for this week. If you have a strange story that you'd like to share with us, you can do so on Twitter. This is so high, just, bro. <laughs> just tweet it to us at SpookySC. Use the hashtag Week and Weird, and we'll share it on the air. We'll give you credit. All right. Well, let's get out of that segment as quick as we can. We do have a phone call on the line, so let's take that. Good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast. Oh, I just put you on hold again. What am I doing? Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Good evening. How are you? Um, that placenta is true. I saw it on Channel 2. It was in England. And this woman had a baby, and they froze it right away. And she came home, and on the baptism day, she cooked it. 
in a frying pan with onions and a little tomato, and they toasted little pieces that look like French bread, and they spread it on it like a pate, and they all ate it. Oh. Yeah, that's true. So I, you know, I couldn't believe when I saw it. This was like about three years ago. They wow. had a thing on Channel 2. Yep, so... I would have used some, some butter, some wine, uh, some cheese? butter, some I white wine, garlic, big, fava beans. Yeah, it was a big iron cast uh, frying pan, and she cooked it up, and she put a few things in it, and then she made like a, pa- a pate out of it, and she spread it on these little breads, and everybody had that with a glass of wine. Wow. Yeah. I don't okay. think I could do it, but thank no. you for sharing. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> Bye. Have a good one. No, at, least, uh, at least in this case, though, it was... Uh, you know, it, it's 10.30 at night that we're talking about this. When yeah. Most people probably already had dinner. I actually read the story originally at like 8.15 in the morning when people were sitting Ruin down having breakfast. people Saturday morning breakfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you did. So there's, there's nothing better than uh, talking poop pills wow. on a Saturday morning. And, uh, and speaking of talking about poop, here's a guy that I talk poop with all the time. <laughs> about nothing in general, and sometimes about life-shattering, earth-changing subjects. You never know where a conversation will go with tonight's guest. The one, the only, making his return to Spooky South Coast. He is Chris Balzano. Good evening, Chris. How are you? I am spooktacular. How are you guys doing? Uh, well, you stole our word now, so now all I can say is we're feeling poopy. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that story we were just sharing, but there's a, a, a company in Medford, Mass., called Open Biome, that is uh, treating people with C. diff by feeding them the healthy poop of other people. You know, I've been uh, I've been listening to a lot of uh, Kevin Smith's podcasts, and uh, his show Education brought this up about a year ago, before the poop pill, when it was still uh, the only other two methods were uh, were available. So, unfortunately, I'm I'm well versed in this, but that didn't stop me while listening to the Tim Weisberg show this morning from uh, from hacking up a little bit. Well, I don't see why you know that wouldn't be a primary reason for you to just move back here. I mean, thirteen thousand dollars a year you're leaving on the table. Uh, you know, it's uh, having to go to Medford. I guess we kind of cancel that out. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. How do you how do you collect poop in Medford? You just open the door. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. Do we do we have a huge listener base in Medford? I don't know. Excuse me. Let me pronounce it correctly. Medford. <laughs> I got a lot of peeps in Medford, so. All right, well, I'm sure that they are uh, more than happy that we are talking about their poop pills there. But, uh, so it's been a while now, uh, and uh, I think we should kind of uh, discuss this a little bit. You, you took some time off from the paranormal. A lot of people thought that we yeah. fired you from the show, and that is only partially true. <laughs> you kind of fired yourself. Yeah, well, you know, you said, you know, this is just not working anymore. we got, we got to let you go, so, you know. Well, actually, what it was, I was just—I was getting jealous because you were getting way too much of the fan mail. Well, listen, I get a lot of hate mail, thinking people thought I replaced Chris Balzano, and I had to tell them that it wasn't. No, really? Yep. Wow. You should... First of all, the, the fact that anyone would think that I could be replaced is crazy. I know, right? I let alone. <laughs> I just—I so I didn't know Chris's that. wife could write that many emails, and actually, she's probably <laughs> glad that he stopped calling into the show all the time. Like, what are you talking about over there? I, I hear you in the other room. Nights yeah. back. But, uh, yeah, you know, you, you took a, a little bit of a step back. You had a lot going on. And so, yeah, you've, you've kind of been out of the paranormal for a bit. Yeah, I've been kind of, you know, I mean, I'm never really out because that's just where my mind goes. That's where my uh, um, where my passion lies. So I've just been kind of, you know, doing things from the outside and trying to, you know, develop stuff and kind of find out where my niche was. You know, it's, uh, it's a very interesting uh, little pool that we play in, and uh, um, it got really crowded. I think some people were peeing in it. So, 
Um, <laughs> I believe they were, yeah. <laughs> I had to, I had to kind of find out, like, you know, uh, where my place was in it and what, what I need to do kind of going forward. So, you know, I mean, uh, there's some very interesting things that I'm working on. And so it's just kind of, you know, I mean, it, the, to be honest with you, I was just clearing out some emails and I'm just looking over some past spooky South Coast emails and some other paranormal emails. And I'm like, you know, there's still some, some work to be done and some stories to tell. So. Well, it's not, so I know that we we haven't talked. You know, you and I we we talk all the time via text and sometimes via t- t- uh, Facebook messages. We haven't really talked anything paranormal in in quite a while. It's just normally it's just life stuff, you know. And uh, and yeah. so I mean, what what's the status of of the of the things that you were working? on? I mean, you were known for the mass uh, masscrossroads dot com website, the Massachusetts mm-hmm. Paranormal Crossroads. What's the, what's the state of that these days? Uh, I took that down about two years ago. Um. And so it's, it's, and unfortunately when I took it down, it also, uh, deactivated the email. So I don't know how many emails I've gotten of, of people saying, have you heard that Stephanie Burke? You know, um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, and, and I've been slowly over the, the last month or so moving some of that stuff over to just like a WordPress, simple blog kind of situation. Um, going through some of those old stories that I had, um, just kind of saying, all right, what fits kind of the new, the new way that I'm approaching things and, and kind of moving that stuff over and planning to move stuff over and then just working on some, some stuff around it. So it's much more about the, the, the legend aspect of things, much more about, um, people's stories and how people's stories about the paranormal, um, kind of add to the overall picture, uh, and how they say there's some other bigger issues that, that are that they're kind of facing us um, and have faced us, and a lot less of the uh, investigative. This is a cool place to check out. Kind of uh, route. Yeah, it seems like uh, when you're saying about how the pool became crowded, it, it seems like there was a lot of everybody jumping into that pool at once. And a lot of people didn't know how to swim, but they made the biggest splash. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and it seems like that's a pretty good way to look at it because, like, those who can't swim make the biggest splash, and, and that's what ended up happening in the paranormal uh, for a while. And it's it's sad that it sidelined people like yourself who were working on this stuff well before it was popular on, on television. First of all, that's an amazing analogy. Um, but, I uh, yeah, I mean, and it wasn't, I don't, you know, I am past the point of being, like, mad at the turn that the paranormal took. Um, it was more of just that, you know, it became, and, and I think still is, so investigation-driven uh, and evidence-driven and pseudoscience-driven. And I'm as much to blame for anyone. I mean, I wrote two books that were pretty much like how to investigate um, stuff. And, it, and it, was, um, it was very far, I think, from where I had originally started. Um, and so when I kind of got over that, it was more of like, and I, I <laughs> you know, I, I said this to Costa, I'm like, I'm not sure I represent this field anymore. I don't know how I can be a content director for content that I'm not necessarily sure I, I have faith in anymore. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's something that a lot of people will probably find themselves going through at some point. You know, they're going to have the moment where they decide either, you know, is this still the same? Is this the same research that I wanted to do when I set out in this field? And then other people will say, is this even still motivating me? The same way that it used to, and, and it seemed like as much as you didn't like the term, uh, the turn that the field had taken, you didn't like the the approach that a lot of people were taking with it becoming so pseudoscience based. 
it seems too like maybe, and this is just my observation, nothing we've really talked about, but it seems like maybe you were just kind of burnt out on the whole idea anyway. You know, you kind of needed to get away from it a little bit to rediscover your passion for it. Kind of like, you know, when you're a kid, Christmas is a you know, special magical time that that you look forward to all year round and it's a feeling and it comes over you and you know when it's coming and then you go through those years where it doesn't really mean anything anymore and then you have your own kids and you rediscover it because you're looking at it through a fresh set of eyes and it seemed like you needed a chance to look at the paranormal through a fresh set of eyes. Yeah, I needed to uh, to find the mystery in it. You know, I needed to to rediscover the mystery of it, to rediscover the the ooh of it <laughs> and that, that part of me that was like intrigued by stuff and the part of me that was that, that campfire kid who really like to hear the stories um, and really like to say like well wait a minute here and to question them and then to kind of like connect with people about them and retell them and and uh, and watch the way that um, the stories kind of evolved so, so in, that, in that case you know an interesting way that <laughs> the paranormal is like that because it has um, transformed itself in the way that people look at ghosts and look at UFOs and look at cryptids is very much molded by the modern day presentation of it, just the way right. it was for for us in the seventies and eighties. I mean, that's that's a really good uh, point there because you know, just looking at the people in the room right now. I mean, Matt Koss is only a few years younger than you and I, Chris. But you know, Stephanie, there's a there's a big age difference; they're about ten years apart, mm-hmm. and uh, so. For us, you know, it, it, you can tell, like, the way that you grew up in the paranormal as opposed to the way we grew up in the paranormal. You know, Chris and I are watching, and, and Matt, too. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not that much younger, and, and no offense, Matt. <laughs> I don't want to reveal your age because I, I know how sensitive you probably are about right. it. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but, you know, we grew up watching things where it was, you know, our, our exposure to the paranormal was – uh, in search of that's incredible unsolved mysteries, but also mm-hmm. amazing stories, uh, tales from the dark side, things of that nature. Right. Whereas Stephanie, you grew up more in an era. You were coming of age at a time when it was more about hocus it, pocus. <laughs> it's all about hocus pocus. <laughs> but it, <laughs> it's true. It is. But you you Sorry. came up in the era of you know ghost hunters of uh, some of these more fact or, or fiction type based shows. Kinda um, ghost hunters was late teens. Right. But um, I was that little dorky kid that was going to the library and taking out all the ghost books in the section that I shouldn't even be reading out of yet. So um, Unsolved Mysteries, I watched probably at a good five or six years old. But, that, but that's when you're home, <laughs> yeah. you know, watching those. In the, but when you're kind of getting out there and, and putting your foot yep. in the pool yourself, you're putting your foot in a pool that is already encompassed by that approach and that attitude. Yeah. I think um, right around the time that I at least started to get into certain things. Then Ghost Hunters became super popular, and it didn't really suck in the beginning, um, <laughs> to be honest. I really liked it in the beginning, but it was brand new. Right. And then when I started to learn more and more of how things actually happened, um, I stopped watching. Well, but you came about, and you were out there doing investigations at a time when People expected you to investigate like they do on television. Yeah. Whether it be other people you're investigating with or whether it be people you're investigating for. You know, that's that kind of molded what they thought an investigation was. Chris, when you started doing it, I know that you were actually getting involved in these things way back before there was even television shows. And you kind of had to form your own way of doing things based on kind of the research of those before you, but also just getting – you didn't have a television show to, to give you an example of how to do it. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it was, and it was, it was a lot of books, and it was a lot of like, well, wait a minute here. What if I, what if I bring um, a radio with me and I tune it to AM radio, um, and I put it on a station that definitely come doesn't come in? What will happen then? You know, like these kind of, um, you know, not revolutionary because people were doing that kind of stuff, um, but more of just kind of, you know, uh, a discovery. Uh, aspect of it as opposed to it being out there for us to purchase um, which is you know which is, is has created a, a generation I mean we're talking you know what 10 years now uh, so have a generation of people who are investigating that way and kind of have that stuff like already ready for them um, but I think part of that like we were saying earlier takes away the mystery like we were trying to um, find things that would work uh, as opposed to being told, hey, this stuff does work here, go use it. You know, so we would have these, you know, we would have things like divining rods, you know, right next to barometers and right next to, like I said, the radios and the flashlights and tape recorders and trying to pick up voices and stuff. And so it was this very kind of hodgepodge way. And we didn't know what to do with the information once we got it anyway. We just recorded it and we just, you know, uh, kind of documented it. And I think part of the the difference too is when we were coming up, and I say we, you know, I, I didn't actually go out and actually conduct investigations myself till after I had seen uh, Ghost Hunters. But I, you know, I'm not investigating in the Ghost Hunter style. I'm I'm learning from Matt Moniz, who's been doing it for a long time, and and other people that he knew in the field. But anyway, that aside, you know, we're coming up in, in, in a time now. Anybody that's in the field now is coming up in a time when. We think we have somewhat of a definition of what a ghost is, or we're being told uh, by paranormal media what we should feel a ghost is. When we first started looking into this, when we first had our own experiences that made us want to research it, we didn't know what we like. What the f is this? Because we had no valid way of of trying to explain it. Whereas now we're told what to think about it. Yeah, yeah, and, and those you know that the research wasn't available for us to even um, consume. In, in mass quantities, you know, we, there were there were there were books, and I was just like Stephanie going in the library and, and sneaking into the adult section, not that kind of adult section, but right. you know, <laughs> you would have had the best town library ever if they had I that wasn't. section. I wasn't. I can't speak for you, Goff Chris. Town, the infamous Goff Town second floor library, um, and and uh, but there wasn't. Wait a minute, this thing that I'm experiencing. Let me throw in a couple keywords and realize that a whole bunch of other people were experiencing it. Mm-hmm. Um, or that things existed, you know, things that, that were outside of our realm of understanding. Being like, I wouldn't even know to touch upon that. I wouldn't even know to apply that to the things that I've been seeing or the things I've been hearing from people. So it was a very exciting time. And, it, and it, you know, it's evolved, but, you know, it, it's, it's, um, it, it also offers the opportunity for people to become more specialized if they're willing to do that. I mean, we live in a world now where our children... Probably won't ever have to worry about any stigma if they walk into a library, although they'll be like, what the hell is a library? What are you talking about, Dad? But if they walked into a library when they're in their teenage years and they check out a book on, on a paranormal topic, you know, they don't have any kind of fear of going up there to the, the uh, adult working at the circulation desk and worry about the, um, the look that you might get or the comment that they might make because that's what you're reading. But we went through that. I know I did when I went to the library. I, I was, I used to hide, you know, the mysteries of the unknown book under like a couple of other books so that when I got up there, you know, they wouldn't question what I was doing. I used to get, I mean, I was checking out Stephen King books from the library at 12, 13 years mm-hmm. old and the librarian was refusing to check them out to me. Mm-hmm. So that, 
kind of imprinted itself. I'm like, well, if she's not going to let me read a fictional ghost story, how is she going to feel about it if I'm trying to read a real-life ghost story? And, and there was that stigma, right. and there was that feeling of unacceptance, and, and that's pretty much gone away these days. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, now there are books that are specifically catered to children um, and catered to, to, um, to young adults especially. You know, and, and it is a... Um, but for all of that, it's still a very much distorted field. Like a lot of what uh, drew me back in um, was talking to my students and hearing like their opinion of things and like, well, wait a minute, we don't understand. Colonel Activity is not a real movie. Is that didn't happen? Yeah, it's not like, a documentary. They, yeah, they don't they don't make that distinction. Um, you know, and, and but then you know to find out that there were. Um, New urban legends popping up, uh, and new kind of bad guys, uh, to look at, and new creepy things. And yet still, all of my students were scared to go into the bathroom and say, um, you know, Bloody Mary during their, um, <laughs> during the test, we were, during a, a section we were talking about, um, myths and legends and folklore. They, they still were freaked out to do it. And my kids know it because it's on Teen Titans Go, you know? So it's, it's, um, it's one of the things that that's actually, you know, we think it's reached a certain point, but I think that's partly because we're in a bubble. Um, less people, um, when they find out uh, um, about my books, for example, say, oh, you're into that stuff? Less people say that, and more people are interested in one here. Um, so they don't look at me as unusual or me as an unusual person the way they used to as much for that reason. Um, but I still think there's a there's a... There's still certain stigmas attached to it, and certain kind of misunderstanding. There's um, there, there's a point too that you reach in your own journey, I think, and I think that we've kind of all reached it here. Uh, but there's a point where you reach where you realize, instead of being insecure about your belief, you know, you almost feel like those people who give you the stink eye when you're involved in this stuff. It, it's almost like you're you've got something over them, you know, because you know. That it's legit, and and they you feel almost bad for them because they haven't come to accept that, and they think that it's weird, you know. So you eventually reach a point when you're confident enough in in your pursuit of the paranormal that uh, you feel comfortable with it, and everybody else is the weirdo for not believing. Yeah, it's like knowing a great band, <laughs> right? Yeah, good, <laughs> you know, good, good and, analogy. And that's still underground, and you're like, no, trust me, what this needs is great. No, trust me, trust me. And uh, and they don't get it, but you're like, but I'm still gonna listen to it now. It's still it's still is out there rocking me. And then eventually that band becomes popular, and then you hate them. <laughs> You're like, oh, what a bunch of sellouts. I hate these guys now. And then... Yeah, that's, and, pretty, yeah, that's pretty much my entire uh, uh, music face right there. So. <laughs> <laughs> a, series of, a series of being in the know and then absolutely not standing them anymore. So what you're saying is you are the original hipster. <laughs> uh, I'm wearing my best beat jacket right now. If you start getting the little, uh, the, you know, the horn rim glasses and all that stuff too, you haven't gone that far yet, have you? No, I, I think my glasses have gotten uh, thicker rimmed as I've gotten older. Yeah, that's just I'm going much more for the Weezer look now. Yeah, that's that's not because you're a hipster though. That's because you're just going blind. <laughs> it's too it's it's too much looking at all that paranormal stuff. It eventually just makes your eyes cross. I'm with you. I'm with you. Hey, you wrote a whole book about you know pe- picturing yourself capturing ghosts on film, so that's a lot of uh, pareidolia you had to deal with, uh, making your eyes go cross over the years. <laughs> yeah, you know, and you know, going through uh, all those students' papers doesn't help much either. <laughs> yeah, that, does, that doesn't help you. So 
especially reading some of their chicken scratch writing. Well, oh, my word. <laughs> hey, I've seen your handwriting. It's a good thing you have to hand in all your book manuscripts type typewritten. So. I'm, I'm sorry if I'm, I seem a bit distracted. My dog, who never barks, is going absolutely crazy. So I don't know if this is a spooky South Coast thing or what. Yeah, my voice has that effect on dogs. She can it actually hear it through the phone. So... <laughs> The the, uh, the when we come back we only got a couple minutes left in this hour when we come back on the other side I do want to get a little bit into this topic of the idea of you know we we hear athletes say it all the time we hear them say you know I want to thank God God played a big part in this I didn't make the play God helped me make the play and uh, we hear you know as as writers we do it all the time and I'm guilty of it even though I think it's a crutch where we write these stories about how this is the team of fate this is the team of destiny destiny controls the outcome of this game and uh, yeah. we. We, we look at it like that. It's almost we make it too easy to, to blame everything on or, or, or uh, you know, say that everything is a result of un, unknown or unseen forces. And uh, I want to get into that a little bit because it, it could go either way. And uh, so we'll get a little bit into that. But we'll also talk to you on a football level about what you think about tomorrow's game as well. But <laughs> you said you were moving everything over to a new site. Is, is that site something that's uh, up and running that you want to share with everybody? Um, well, yeah, it's uh, it's wordpress.trippingonlegends.com. Uh, you can just Google uh, Tripping on Legends. It's, it's something that I've had up for a few years, but I'm just trying to try to move some things over. I used to do like dual per, uh, posts on both Spooky South Coast, and I would throw it up on there, and, and no one would ever find it, but it was kind of designed that way to not be found until I was ready. Well, we'll, we'll just have to make sure that we give it a, a, a easier URL for people, too. Yeah, we'll give it like a redirect URL. That sounds awesome. Like Balzano's brain droppings. There's no way that, that then you'll get sued like uh, like Mike Barnacle. So, uh, but, but you know, people can check it out. There's uh, there's a lot of content up there. It's uh, trippingonlegends.wordpress.com, and uh, you'll be able to see some of the stuff up there as well. And of course, you can follow Chris on Twitter at Spooky Balzano. Even when you left the paranormal, even when you left Spooky South Coast, you still kept that Twitter handle because I think that fits you perfectly. And uh, and I uh, kept the picture as well. Well, there you go. So uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Spooky Balzano, and that's uh, a great way to interact with Chris and. When we get, when we come back, we'll talk about some of the other things too. I want to bring up a little bit later on the show some of the things that have happened in the paranormal world since you have been kind of uh, on the sidelines a bit and get your take because there's been a lot of things over the last uh, bit of time where I've said, "Gee, you know, I'd love to get Chris on and see what he thinks about that." So we'll get into some of that coming up in the next hour as well if that works okay. for you. Excellent. Anything? Anything you don't want to talk about? That that brief period where you only wore women's clothes while you were not with us? That, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm totally Poop comfortable pills. That. How do you feel about um, poop pills? Yeah, would you take a poop pill if somebody gave you one? Would you take it on a dare? In, I would take it even without a dare. There you go. See, my uh, kind of guy. I'm, I'm, I'm probiotic. I'm pro-probiotic. <laughs> there, see, this is why he's my brother from another mother. <laughs> we think exactly the same. All right, well, we'll check back in with Chris coming up following the news. And, of course, we'll take your calls as well throughout the course of the night. 508-996-0500. 877-996-1420. Those are the numbers to call in throughout the course of the program. You can also hit us up on Twitter, either directly at SpookySC or just tweet using the hashtag SpookyLive, and we'll see it on Spooky South Coast's Spooky TV option. And don't forget, if you're out and about, you're, uh, you know, wherever you might be, maybe you're investigating and you want to be able to check out the show on the smartphone, all you have to do is download the Radio Pup app, Radio Pup, 
That's P-U-P, Radio Pup. And you will be able to search for WBSM, search for New Bedford, and you will find the show there every Saturday night. We'll be back in just a few moments here on the new 1420 WBSM. It's Spooky South Coast. Number two of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, along with Stephanie Burke and the Slimin' Assassin, Matt Costa. And, of course, we are talking about the paranormal, as we do each and every Saturday night. But tonight we're adding a little bit of a football twist to it because the Patriots are taking on the Seahawks in the Super Bowl tomorrow night. And you can catch the game right here on the new 1420 WBSM. Pre-game starts at 5 well, o'clock. Field, the best game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Dennis Miller, you just can't stop dishing out those compliments to me. I appreciate it. But really, you got to lay off. It's getting awkward. Uh, the uh, Tomorrow night, Matt, you'll be here covering the game, right? You'll be working yeah, the board. Yeah, I'll be here. If anybody wants to call and just chat about the game, <laughs> fill me in on what's going on. Yeah, kind of explain to you. What, do you want me to do that? Do you want me to like call you when something weird happens? If, you call, if anybody you? calls, I'll just pick up the phone and say, that'll move the chains. There you go. <laughs> so if you want to hear that from me, call. Okay. There you go. Well, uh, we're going to bring back in our guest, Chris Balzano here. But Matt, just remember that uh, all that matters tomorrow night is that the footballs are properly inflated of course. to the correct PSI. Of course. Because we don't want to play with deflated balls. We don't. Speaking of deflated balls. We've been doing that for nine years, we, and we've still the, been at the peak of our game. Balls on Did you guys get to see the video that no. Jimmy Kimmel put together with all the local celebrities? No, no. Everybody was asking me today if I'd seen it, and I have not had the I chance I haven't yet. watched it yet, but everybody says it's so funny. They, did, they didn't ask us to be in it. I know. We're, we're local celebrities. But we're not on the, the level of like Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. Speak for yourself. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. It's kind maybe, of like, you maybe, know... Maybe Ben Affleck. Maybe. Yeah, let's say it's kind of like spooky South Coast career arc. And, you know... Affleck's, Affleck's the new Batman, right? Yeah, but he's not really... He's not really the... You know, he's he's the new uh, Batman in a Superman movie. Yeah. Right. So that only partially counts as being Batman. Yeah. He does make good movies, know. though. You know, that's a... Uh, by the way, I, I finally saw... This is complete off topic but I finally saw Guardians of the Galaxy the other night I thought it was good I had yet to see it did you you know how when you watch a Marvel movie you gotta watch right. all the way through to the end I did credits? see the end yes. so you did see the end yep. so you saw the I did the little yep. cameo there I don't know Chris are you back with us no nope. oh. Okay, he's uh, he's handling some handling some business let's see I don't know this could, probably could be him too good evening you're on WBSM Spooky South Coast hey Tim how you doing brother good how are you good Hey, in regard to the, uh, I'm the, unmuted. Poop, the poop brigade. It's um, funny. You, you want to call about poop and Chris pops back on the line. There you go. Works out perfectly. <laughs> Talking about DC and Marvel and I'm off air, but, uh, you know, you get the poop talk going on. And, well, it was get, perfect you know, timing. If, if you get them back down here, especially somebody from the company and stuff, we should just rent a van and. Get a business going and <laughs> just go door to door. Plus, plus, through the pooping thing, so it, this could be a landfall. 
Well, yeah, you know the. It, but I'll be I'll be paying attention and listening when you get the guy down. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. We'll like we'll, we'll have a remote poop donation service there for poops and giggles. There you go. There you go. On the uh, football <laughs> side, I really believe. I mean, this is gonna definitely gonna be a tight game. There's some big wigs, even Vegas type, saying uh, Seattle by six, seven points. No, uh-uh. I'm thinking this is gonna be a three or four point game, and I think. If Seattle is on the receiving side of a turnover, they need to score touchdowns and not field goals to catch up with the offensive effectiveness of the Patriots. But I think shy of what three or four turnovers from the Patriots, which I doubt, I think the Patriots, their long-term experience between Brady and Belichick, I'm predicting 24 to 20 Patriots. Man, that is uh, definitely a tight uh, pick there. Now, do you think, uh, Phil? Do you think that maybe God, fate? Do you think that that plays a hand in in what happens in a football game, or do you think that it's kind of you know it's up? They they get the talent from from somewhere, and then it's up to them Ta- to use it. Talent talent will take you so far, but determination basics. If you don't get away from the basics, you don't have to go back to them. You don't get scrambled, and you need mental toughness. And now the Patriots have this us-against-the-world mentality, so now they've got something even more to prove. And Brady knows that because of his age, he may never get back here again. Um, they won three in a row, lost two. I just don't see them losing the third one in a row. So I'll be listening, and thanks for taking my call. All right, you have a good one. Enjoy the game. Bye-bye. Well, uh, Chris, while we're talking about things from a, a football perspective, before yeah. we get into some of the metaphysical stuff that surrounds uh, the idea of, of the Super Bowl, on a purely football gridiron perspective, what do you think about tomorrow's game? Um, you know, I think that, that uh, it's really hard because I am uh, a Pats fan, um, but I really like Seattle, um, and I think that this really it's a really good matchup, and everything's kind of as I'm looking at it, the Patriots offense against the Seahawks defense and, and the Legion of Boom and all that kind of stuff and, 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 and how the heck do we stop Wilson? I, I think it's a really, really tough call, but my heart still feels like the Patriots have to win. But I kind of like that because when the Patriots have, you know, when they're, when they're, it's like they're not supposed to win, um, when the, the expectation shifts and all of a sudden they're the underdog in these things, they historically have done very well. Um, but that's, you know, and last time I was saying it, it's, it's, and that's kind of the, the, that destiny kind of aspect, like, well, they've, they've lost in a row, so now they have to win. Um, right. you know, it, it's, they seem to do best when people underestimate them. And so, I'm still, I'm still going with Patriots, and I'm thinking, um, like a 27-23 kind of thing, 27-24. So I still think it's going to be very close. Well, I mean, even the idea of using disrespect as, as a motivational factor, that's kind of a, you know, it's kind of an outside influence. It's kind of an outside of their own ability type of thing, you know. And they always say, uh, and Bill Belichick always says, you know, we, we control the things that we can control. And that's what they try to do. They try to control those things to the best of their ability. But sometimes with sports, you have to kind of give in to something greater. And being able to give in to being disrespected is part of that. I mean, do you think that that disrespect becomes something palpable and becomes almost like an otherworldly force that can drive them and motivate them? You know, I mean, if we can talk about um, intent or, um, or or wanting something to happen or wanting something to, on a paranormal level to manifest, then it does become something 
tangible. It does become something that you can actually use or manipulate or can create. Um, and I, I'm, I'm much, whether that determines whether or not you win, but I think it's definitely something. I think it creates a uh, an artificial hysteria that you can get caught up in very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I remember one of my, <laughs> when we were playing for the state championship back in the day, and our defense, our, our, our offensive coordinator, I guess you could call him, if you can have that in high school in, in New Hampshire, um, was talking about um, comparing us to his nephew, who he kneels down next to to guide. And we were bawling our eyes out and so amped up and so determined to play. And we, we ended up losing. That's a bad part of the story. But, um, but I was not even a starter. And I was geared up. I wanted to go. I could take on the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely think there's something that can be kind of manipulated in our, our systems biologically um, by this kind of, these kinds of forces. Well, Whether that can carry you to a championship uh, is a different story, but I think you can definitely manipulate the biology of your of your uh, of your body. Well, on a spiritual side of things, Stephanie, you know, people who uh, have your abilities and people who uh, focus on that mm-hmm. will say that when you put what you put out there, it's going to come back to you, and right. and uh, that you know, if you are tune into a certain wavelength that can affect you one way or another. Do you think that that's kind of what happens when there is a disrespect or, or when there is kind of some sort of outside motivating factor like a spy gate, like a deflate gate where, you know, there's there's these vibes that are be, being put into the Patriots locker room and then right. they absorb them in a certain way. I'm sure that you've seen this stuff and some of the stuff that you do and seeing the way that it can affect people. Well, yeah, definitely. If you think about it, um, if I sat here and I totally belittled you to the point of... You I would know, just you. laugh at you and say, you know nothing, woman. Right. But, and it made you want to crawl into a corner and cry. That's actually what would really happen, yes. Probably. Um, how does that make you feel? How would you leave here? What would you think about for the rest of the night? What would you think about tomorrow? You're going to obsess over it because you're a human and you think like, oh my God, you know, this is happening. Um, it happens. I mean, the Patriots are probably used to it by now, so it's probably rolling off their backs no problem but um things like that definitely do affect your mental state of mind whether or not it has anything to do with um any type of you know spiritual way of thinking or um as a human you you kind of tend to take that all in and then soak it in and then obsess over it so it does affect definitely just like something positive um makes you feel like you could you know run across the parking lot back and forth three times it just it affects you as a human first, and then like your psyche and, and spiritually, definitely second. Chris, I'm just going to ask this question just to get it you know, recorded into podcast form and get it formally on the record, just in case there's a very remote chance that it's possibly true. But what if Deflategate didn't come from the Colts or from the Ravens or from the NFL employee who was a former Jets employee who just hates Bill Belichick? What if Deflategate came from Bill Belichick? What if he's the one? that through backdoor channels got the NFL to launch this investigation to be the ultimate motivating factor for his team. You know, is this, can you create your own, uh, you know, can you create your own outside forces to influence you in your life? Can you create uh, these negatives? I mean, we we say that it happens all the time when people believe in a curse. You know, if you believe that you're cursed right. and you're going to be cursed, can you, uh, you know, can you create these own negatives to, to have an impact on, on yourself? Kind of the uh, Spicoli factor on uh, on the linebacker Jackson, the <laughs> Forrest Whitaker character, like destroy his car, be the person who actually is doing it. Um, 
Um, yeah, dude, Bill could do anything. Of course, Bill could have done that. Yeah, I, if you found, I wouldn't if you be surprised that he had. Would it seem completely crazy to you? No, I'd, I'd actually would. Uh, I'd actually think that it was the awesomest thing I ever heard. <laughs> I mean, it does seem like you know that that he has. Um, but the Patriots have always seemed to have that. You know, it, it was uh, in '94. It was Bill Parcells quitting, leaving the team. You know, it, it seems to be that that media week. Um, for them is is like controversy time. Yeah, if you can, if there's something there that can push your team, then that's good. I don't know. Just just putting it out there, just in case there's a chance that it's possible. But uh, we do have a call on the line, so let's take that. And if anybody wants to call during the course of the discussion with our guest, Chris Balzano, 508-996-0500-877-996-1420. Maybe, Chris, you'll even get some calls. I, I sent you like 15 emails to your Mass Crossroads site. <laughs> I had a puck wedgie experience, and I want to share it with you. Uh, good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? And how you doing? Good. How are you? All right. Uh, a friend of mine said, that the Pats are going to win by 15. I myself will say 30. Wow. That would be like the most lopsided Super Bowl ever, wouldn't it? Well, hey, what a way to send a message. Mm -hmm. That's true. And we saw them run up the score in 2007. They get accused of cheating. They'll say, we'll show you. Well, look what happened with the Colts. Yeah, Yeah, they were able to handle them pretty easily. But still, I mean. They took care of the Colts. Why not? Why not um, the Eagles? Well, I mean, I, I wrote about this a little bit in in my prediction that will be in the paper tomorrow. I mean, I think a lot of people get so wrapped up in the way the Patriots feel about this game that the Seahawks have become a secondary character in this story. You know, they're, they're just part of the background of the Patriots story. And that's, you know, the Seahawks are a, a damn good team, and they're the defending Super Bowl champions. And well, so I think that it's, it's, it's kind of uh, it's almost a disrespect for them how much people are overlooking them, at least here in New England. So... I don't know. I, I, Thirty points—that might be. I think we'd overlook them anyways because we're all from New England. <laughs> That's true, but this, of course, this caller is going to go out and, and place a bet on the fact they win by thirty and be right, and then we're going to look stupid and be like, "We should have listened." No, to no, not at all. <laughs> That's the smart answer. I, I, I will say something for the record. I will be watching this game for a friend of mine because he'll be working third shift over at Tedeschi's, and I'm going to show. I'm going to show the gratitude, my gratitude to him out of respect. However, my sport, the granddaddy of them all, is going to be starting right on Valentine's Day. And that'll be NASCAR. And that's my that's number one, right along with my Bruins and the Red Sox. Three-way tie for first. All right. Well, thank you very much for the call. You're welcome. Have a great night. You too. And, uh, you know, speaking of Super Bowl bets, I've got the perfect Super Bowl bet to make with somebody. Just bet just bet them instead of betting cash or anything like that, you know, because that would be illegal. We can't advocate that on the air. Right. Shoveling. Shoveling. Shoveling on Monday afternoon. Oh, God. Or Tuesday morning. There, there's the perfect Super Bowl bet. But, you know. Uh, well, the, the best bet that I heard was between uh, Star-Lord and um, – uh, Captain America. Well, Whichever what, team what wins, was, the other one's going to go to the children's hospital in, in that city. So that's the kind of cool betting I like. Yes. Yeah, I like that too because you know everybody's going to win one way or another with that. And uh, I, I don't know if I was Chris Pratt, I'd be like, or oh, you could dress as Indiana Jones, even though it's not official yet. <laughs> you know, but um, I'm sure Chris Evans would be like, hell yeah, I'll dress as Indiana Jones. But uh, the um, 
you know, when we're talking about this idea, though, of uh, and I mentioned there how you know the 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 Seahawks have become kind of just a character in the Patriots story here, and how they're going to respond to this, and another entity that becomes kind of a, a secondary character is the idea of God or, or fate or what have you. Do, do you think, Chris, that these, uh, you know, these deities, these otherworldly beings, whatever you want to call them, uh, these, these outside forces, do you think that they care about something as, as mundane as a football game? I think they care about the individuals. Okay. Um, and I think they care about... Um, I think they care about the spirit of the individuals who might be in the game. Um, P.S., I don't necessarily think it's coming from necessarily a good place all the time. You know, uh, whether it's someone selling their soul or making a deal or that kind of stuff kind of plays into it as well. We think we're thinking in a positive way, but, you know, someone could have uh, done something so nefarious to become infamous on, on the world's biggest stage. Um, but I have a really hard time seeing an entire team. I think we do a lot of that um, to build up the game um, and to build up contests um, because, you know, it's not like, I mean, you know, back in the day you had people who would, you know, I'm going to win this for my God or I'm going to win this for my, um, you know, for, for my people. And I think there's a lot less of that um, because we're not talking about real conquest. We're not talking about war. We're not talking about hand-to-hand to, to the death kind of, dying in honor even if you die. I mean, I think we're talking about um, so many people, so many personalities, the personalities of the cities, the personalities of the followers and believers, that there is no clear-cut good guy and bad guy sometimes. Um, So it's really hard to say in a game like this, like, who would be fated to win? Like, if if we say, okay, there is some sort of God force, um, there is someone who can control this. Who would they win it for? What would they? What would? What would their? Um, what would their stake in it be? To reward? To reward someone who's been faithful? Well, out of those 108 people, if I'm thinking 54 to a roster, I could be wrong about that. Um, not to mention coaches. Not to mention um, support staff. Not to mention the people who are following the game. That seems like a lot of people to find to kind of balance the, or to tip, I should say, the scales to say that this team is more virtuous. Um, and so I, I really feel it could be more of a individual thing, like this person who's been a follower um, or this person who's been virtuous gets rewarded by doing something in the game because ultimately it's not whether they win or lose the game, it's about their own personal triumph. Right, and, and it's, it's part of, it could be part of their journey as a person, as a human, to either win or lose this game. And, right. and then what do you do if you are, you know, these, these outside forces? Uh, you know, let's just, let's just for a moment play God. And if that's the case, we're looking at this game and, and how do we decide that, you know, 75% of the Seahawks deserve to win, but 78% of the Patriots deserve to win? You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it almost gets, I can't imagine that God sitting up there reading the latest line uh, in, the, in the newspaper to decide how we're going to go about, you know, picking who wins and who loses this game. And it, and it just seems like there's too much of a, of um, too much. I mean, there, there do seem to be moments that pop up that seem as if it couldn't have been scripted any differently. Mm-hmm. You know, if you take like, you know, the 09 Saints uh, after Katrina um, or the Red Sox. Um, after the bombing, 
or even the Patriots. Oh, yeah, the Patriots. 2001. Yeah. Um, I think that probably when I, when I think of the aftermath of 9-11, I think of Joe Andrewsy, mm-hmm. both crying in, in the press conference and running onto the field with the flags. Yeah. Um, and yet, for every single one of those, you have, you know, the, the Islanders, you have uh, the, um, the the bad boys of Detroit, you know, you have the the um, you know the back the past brothers winning multiple championships, even though they were both juicing up to their to their noses. Um, so it, it's it's I, I often think that it it um, it's us wanting it to be, and then we get involved in these cycles of uh, which is the same thing. You know, someone you love gets sick. And you, you say, it, well, there's, there's a bigger plan to it. And I think that offers us comfort mm-hmm. and offers us joy um, when, it, when it's going well for us. But it's really hard to think that um, in large schemes like that with so many people involved, anyone, um, anyone is, is worthy of, of having that tip. And it also, I mean, if you are an athlete, I mean, I guess the idea of if you're a coach, if you're Bill Belichick, say, and you're looking at this team and and – you hear a player say, "Well, I want to put it all in God's hands." You know that that can you know be like a punch in the stomach to you because you start to think to yourself, "Well, you know, if you're worried about whether or not God's going to win this game for you, are you going to work hard enough to make sure that you win the game?" And uh, and I think that you know, luckily, most people who have that approach they come at it with the respect of, you know. God will come through for me, but I have to do my part in order to get that. I have to hashtag do my job in order. To, right. <laughs> I have to there's be that, copyright 2014 New England Patriots. <laughs> uh, there's, that, there's that great line that the middle school English teacher coming out of me from where the right fern grows, you know, no, no, God meets no man halfway. Right. Of, uh, you know, and, and I think, I think. I think we, we see, you know, if there's a God, let's take a Christian God, for example, because when he's often praised in a game, it, it's for that. I mean, I think that there's a certain joy and pride, if that's possible, um, from that entity, if they're praised. But I don't think that the um, the game itself is, is would be even be worthy of, of manipulating one way or the other. Like I said, individuals. And I would think, you know, if, if if I was God, and I know in my own mind I kind of am, but if I was God, I would say, listen, I have given all of you out there the talent to be on an NFL field, to be in the final game of the season. You all have the talent. I'm just going to sit back with my popcorn like everybody else and see what happens. Yeah, if we want to go back to Christopher Lloyd, I guess, <laughs> and from Angels in the Outfield, where it's like, you know, we can get you there, but, you know, the humans have to win the championships. We can yeah. get you in the game, but the humans have to win championships. Which is just a, a, a plot device. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I just think, you know, we'll see tomorrow. We're going to see it. People are going to see it. Whatever team wins, people will stand up on the podium, you know, thanking God for the role that he played in that. And And I think for the most part, those who believe in God will say that, you know, God just makes it possible and, you know, we have to do our part. So as long as people feel like they have a controlling aspect in that, uh, it'll be better off. I, I, I just, I've gotten to the point where I'm tired of having to write, you know, team of destiny stories, team of fate stories, because it does seem like a cop-out. Every team that wins feels like they're the team of destiny. Yeah, and, and remember, you know, Serrano eventually had to, to set aside Joe Boo 
when he really wanted to get that uh, that home run in the game. So. Yes, but that's you know that's as long as nobody <laughs> drank Joe Boo's wine, everything was fine. You know, it's kind of weird. Like this is you know, I, I think a. Uh, um, to, to to bring it to that level, like it's a very non monotheistic uh, way of looking at this, you know, because polytheistic gods, like if you think of like old Greek gods, or, mm-hmm. or you think of um, um, Hindu gods, they would do this kind of stuff all the time, like because they had these characteristics that were um, human like. But God doesn't seem to care. Like monotheistic gods don't seem to want to get involved in that. They seem to be more. Like, let me test you and see if you can kind of remain true, rather than right. saying, like, I'm going to reward you with a whole bunch of good stuff. Yeah, in, in sports, I mean, I can tell you that, uh, you know, being in locker rooms, I'm, I'm in locker rooms and I'm around the athletes, and I can tell you that even though they believe in the monotheistic God, they also believe in the idea of, you know, polytheism when it comes to their own individual sports. So there are... There's there's the one god, the god, the big guy in the sky, but there's also the football gods, and the football gods are not that far down the rung of the ladder <laughs> for football players than the one true god because they look at it as being there's something greater than themselves and they're part of something greater than themselves, and so they don't you know they, they don't actually want to tempt or, or test the football gods. Yeah, they seem to be slaves to compulsion. Like you've done something, and it's true for us fans too. I mean, I used to. Okay, I have to admit, I was a Bills fan and a Patriots fan in the days of, like, uh, Thurman Thomas and Bruce Smith. And during that Oilers game, you know, I got up and I got out my my bass, and I was playing my bass because I'm like, well, I might as well practice. I played that bass every single Super Bowl, man. It never happened again. But every single time they were down, I would get my instrument and I would start playing it thinking that I could turn things around. Um, it's a compulsion thing. It's, it's more of a compulsion thing. You would know this. Uh, being near them, that they have to do certain things, and they think that the rules that they create within that compulsion um, are pleasing the gods or offending the gods even more sometimes, and so they become slaves to it. And and, and you know, it's <laughs> they're they're really fickle, but we don't seem to notice when it doesn't work out. We just seem to notice when it works out. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the you know the the history is written by the winners, and so is the history of of sporting events. And so when when you look at it from that perspective, you know if if the things that you're doing happens for a win, and then you don't do it and it's a loss, well, that's definitely what it was. And you know, there's been millions right. of pairs of underwear that have gone unwashed over the years mm-hmm. for people feeling exactly that same way. Gross. <laughs> Direct them to the poop pills. <laughs> they don't need them. Uh, they they've already got every other kind of bacteria going <laughs> up inside them. But well. Uh, we, I think we can kind of leave that on the table a little bit here. I think that we've uh, kind of, you know, covered the some of these aspects when it comes to the football games. But before we move away from football and into some other paranormal topics, Chris, uh, one more time, you had mentioned, you know, you thought that it was going to be a close score. You said twenty four, twenty one, or was it or twenty seven, twenty four, twenty seven, twenty four? I think is my final. But do you do you have a, a selection for MVP? I think it's going to be, this sounds really weird, um, and it kind of fits into uh, what we've been talking about, and that would be, and I'm going to totally mispronounce his name, and I'm, and I'm going to kill myself for it, but I know he's actually connected to you, and, and that is um, Davinsky. Uh, Ninkovich? Yes, Ninkovich. Rob Ninkovich, yes. Um, I have been focusing on him in the playoffs, just because he's so high energy, and he has been so close so many times 
to making these really big plays, and I just feel he is going to have a monster game, and it's going to be a defensive uh, swing, and he's going to be the reason for it. And I'm not just talking like one. I'm talking like one or two huge plays that are going to turn the, the shift of it, and they're going to they're going to say it was these. He was the guy that was the star of that. I know that's really weird because very rarely goes to a to a defensive player and even less to a to a linebacker flash, you know, rusher, rushing lineman. But I, I honestly think that that's my gut. I think he's going to have a huge game. Well, there's there's a paranormal connection there. We won't get into it here on the air, but you know there is a, I know, a connection I know. there. So. so. I can see that fitting, and uh, you know, a defensive player got it last year, so it's possible say, it happens again. I say it to my wife uh, whenever he makes the play. She goes, "Yes, I know, whatever." So, <laughs> so yeah, I want to say hi to Auntie Gail out there, who's who's probably listening to the show and getting ready for the Super Bowl, and hope she enjoys the game. Uh, but I want to move into some other paranormal topics. We have about twenty five minutes left in the show, and if anybody has any questions for our guest, Chris Balzano, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty. But one question I have for you, Chris, yeah. is we you know I got involved with the Ghost Stalkers program. We talked about it a little bit at the beginning, but we didn't really get into it. And I I haven't had the chance to ask you what you think about the idea of these portals. I mean, you've researched a lot of haunted places, yeah. and and it's a topic that has always kind of been out there on the fringe of the research. And now apparently it's mentioned in every episode of Ghost Adventures now. Which every Saturday night when a new adventure, a uh, new ghost adventure comes on the radio, my phone starts blowing up with Twitter and Facebook messages of everybody saying, "Are you watching? They're talking about portals again." Uh, so it seems like people are finally starting to pay attention to this. But you've known, you've noticed in your research over the years that there are vortices out there where strange things happen. I mean, you spent your entire paranormal career and examining one of the biggest ones with the Bridgewater Triangle. Right, right, and even if you take, um, even if you take the Samuel West House. Uh, into a, uh, as a, another example within the triangle of of some place that seems to um, the paranormal activity there seems to extend beyond the things we can explain in terms of people who potentially might have died there had a connection to it. Um, there's evidence of other people there. Um, there's evidence of people who go in and out of there, and so it would seem to suggest that you know there there are these areas where things can slip through. Um, and I'm not sure how we measure that. I'm not sure uh, what that means for us. I don't think that... Well, I guess in theory you could say that every time a spirit uh, is seen, there's some kind of portal because you're, 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 there's something that is uh, beyond our explanation which is causing an appearance or some kind of uh, happening. Um, but I think that in terms of like... Like a like a, a true vortex that allows things to come in and out that don't have a connection to the location. Um, I don't think all paranormal stems from that, but I do think that they exist. Well, what I liked about it, researching them is that you got you got to go beyond just the ghosts, and that's something that we've talked about off the air a lot. Is the fact that there's more to the paranormal question than just ghost activity. Uh, and, and we didn't really get into a lot of it on the show on Ghost Stalkers because, you know, the, the network wants what they want and they, they want you to focus right, right. on one topic and the show is called Ghost Stalkers, not, you know, weird goat man stalkers. But <laughs> there, there definitely seems to be, especially in the research in the Bridgewater Triangle, there seems to be that that door is open for anything to pass through. But we, we haven't found a way to kind of pass through it from our end. That we know of. Right. You know, I mean, I think. I think there, um, you know, a possible explanation for time slips and lost time is 
just that we can't uh, remember what we just experienced, um, that it might touch us uh, on a deeper level. Um, and, and yet there's this time. Where did this time go? Um, I think that there are um, there's paranormal that we perceive on one part of our brain, but not necessarily the entire part of our brain. Um, and so we kind of recollect it. It comes back to us in dreams, comes back to us in these kind of flash memories. Um, so I do think that I do think there's a lot of stuff that I do think we've crossed over as well. Um, and I do think that there are moments where you seem to be outside of yourself, but you're not dreaming. Um, those might be moments where we're crossing. Um, but you know, they're they're. They're, they're, it's, it's hard to imagine that so many different things can play on the same fields at the same time without there being some kind of opening which is allowing different things through. Well, I think that uh, we'll we'll see more of that now that it's been paid attention to uh, by some of the television shows. There'll be some more research into that. We'll be interested in seeing where that goes. Uh, we do have well, a call. Of, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, no I was into one of the things that. Um, that has sparked this, uh, uh, some of the research that I'm working on, um, is, is the, the presence of things like, um, like shadow men or, um, other unexplained things where there seems to be just kind of like a traditional straightforward ghost. Um, you know, especially in terms of like the watching aspect of things. Um, there seems to be things that are observing, watching, uh, crossing over with stuff or at least kind of documenting the stuff that's there. Um, and so there are so many cases of people who have these little things happen to them and then they, they see a shadow figure uh, or something like that. Like one of the shadow men, uh, like explained, like in the Cotton State Prison, for example, um, where they seem to be connected only after the fact. And then you start to think of the small other ghostly stuff more realistically because you've now seen this other thing which freaks you out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's take this call here, and if anybody has a, a call, uh, if anybody has a question, I'm sorry for Chris, 508-996-0500, 877-996-1420. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast. Yes, I, I have a quick question. Sure. Um, is there any significance to the fact that we talk about these areas as being triangles? The actual triangle shape themselves? Yeah. The fact that, you know, you've got the, you know, like uh, uh, Bridgewater Triangle, you've got the, you know, the triangle down in the Caribbean, and, and you got another one out in, around Japan somewhere. But they're all triangles. Is there a significance to the fact that it's triangular shape? Chris, what do you think? Um, yeah, well, I, I think that <clears throat> I think it's a, con- a convenient way to do it. Um, you experience things one place, another place, and another place, and you kind of connect the dots, and then you look at what's inside of it. Um, and so I think that a triangle is very natural way to do that because any three things that occur, you can kind of naturally make a triangle out of it. No, I mean, in the paranormal, is there is there a significance to, like, is there a certain strength connected to a triangle or, or you know, a, a certain, um, you know, like, uh, is, is a portal shaped like a triangle? I, I don't know. Uh, and that's the question I'm asking. Is, is there some type of significance to the shape of a portal or, or a shape of the area? Um, I, th- I would say in triangles in general have significance. Um, I think it's very interesting. Maybe Tim can, can talk about triangles and portals. Um, 
But I honestly think the majority of the time it comes much more from um, convenience of, like, establishing something uh, and then getting it out to people. You know, the, the Bridgewater Triangle, you know, is not really a triangle if you look at it. Right. Uh, and, and the Bermuda Triangle is not really a triangle. It's just three convenient locations. And the Bennington Triangle, which is a little bit more um, contained, um, could extend easily into, you know, an octagon. Um so I think there's something mysterious about triangle. So I think it's much more um, our willingness to kind of be like, oh, that's interesting, it's triangle, it's catchy, uh, than it is actually about there being some significance to the paranormal stuff that's in it. I think part of it, Chris, is exactly what you're saying and exactly what you said before where, you know, to make a shape, you need three points at least. You know, uh, once you, when you have two and you draw a straight line, that's just a straight line between two places. But when you can add that other line and create a shape, now you have it contained. Now you have it encompassed. But also I think part of it too is if you look at some of the, you know, some of the deities uh, that people worship back in the times of the Egyptians, uh, the Incas, you know, you see all of these. These ancient civilizations, they built pyramids as a way to kind of, you know, build upward toward those. So maybe that's why we're, it's kind of ingrained within us as, as a species uh, to build toward that triangle based on our past. But then another possibility, too, is if one of the things that we explored a bit in Ghost Stalkers uh, is the idea of ley lines. And that a lot of those ley lines will cross over each other and, and form these triangles naturally. So what you're seeing as a triangle uh, in terms of activity could actually be a triangle as a result of these ley lines. So it's not really a triangle per se. It's just uh, a reference that we use. Right. I think that's, I mean, certainly in the case of the Bridgewater Triangle, it stopped being a legitimate triangle a long time ago. Oh. Okay. When it might have started in that, but it certainly seeped its way out, and now it's, you know, the kind of like the, uh, now it's more like the Bridgewater, you know, uh, dodecahedron. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for the call. All right. Thanks, Colin. Again, 508 996 uh, but uh, I just think that the, the fact that um, we can find these areas where there is a high level of activity and be able to at least give them some kind of a name. And I don't care if you want to call it a triangle, if you want to call it, you know, the whatever rectangle, whatever you want to do, as long as you're paying attention to the fact that for some reason there's an inordinate, inordinate amount of stuff that happens in these particular locations. And, and I'm sure, Chris, in your research, both in New England and, and across the world, you've seen places like that that don't fit into that neat description of a geometric shape, but they just seem to have a, a higher, le- higher level of high strangeness. Yeah, I mean, it's usually more of, you know, I guess, I guess a circle would be, you know, some, some kind of like blobby circle because oftentimes there's a heart um, and then there seems to be stuff that kind of has that same theme or that same kind of feeling of the heart um, emulating out. Um, and so I think, you know, even the more that I look at um, the Bridgewater Triangle, for example, it seems much more that the the, the 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 spirit of the of the what's going on there seems to emulate more from centers rather than it does as like self-contained or contained within an object or a, a geometric figure. Yeah, I think that that's kind of just our own desire to to. And I think you know you have the Bridgewater Triangle that hits the scene first, and then Lauren Coleman even says you know he came up with the idea of Bridgewater Triangle because. He wanted that connotation to the to the Bermuda Triangle, so that kind of just lends itself to now. It's like, oh, okay, so we're looking for triangles, right? Right, and the catchier it can sound. You know, any kind of alliteration you can get as well as you know, you know, like the Tampa Triangles caught on 
uh, quite a bit lately, or you know, like the you know the woods of such and such, you know, as being some place. If, if it sounds really catchy, you're going to get a lot more attention to it. And of course, as writers who expose this stuff, um, you know, the Beast of Bray Road, as writers who kind of you know present this stuff to people, we're looking for that too because we're looking for the catch, we're looking for the headline, we're looking for the the herald type headline that that draws people in as well. Right, we want to have something that will you know, stick stick in people's brains and, and become a. Le- I mean, you can become a legend pretty quickly by just making sure that you stay in the forefront of people's minds. And right. I think that that's something that's happened with a lot of these places. Is you know, the more that people talk about it, the more it sticks out in their minds. So when they hear other reports, like, oh, well, that must be connected to the Bridgewater Triangle. And, and yeah, I mean, because you know, it's it's. New England in general is, is, has got so many interesting um, paranormal things happening and unexplained things happening um, that it's easy to kind of like, oh, well, it's just this far away from the Bridgewater Triangle. I used to make that, you know, we too, and I would say, I mean, look how many of the, the pivotal people in the paranormal are just outside the Triangle. Like, that's not a coincidence. But maybe it is just more of a coincidence since it's an area of high kind of activity. Is there a... Uh... Are there new triangles that are forming out there? Are there new, you know, places of interest? You mentioned the Tampa Triangle. Are there places that are starting to come together as being new focal points for paranormal research? It seems to be much more away from that um, and to more of a single location getting a nickname. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, it would seem, when it, when it comes to, like, a lot of cryptid sightings. Um and so it seems more like that's the trend, like the trend is away from triangles and more towards areas, which could be the influence of, of, of portals, you know, back into our paranormal lexicon, if you will. Which, I mean, I'll be honest with you, like I, I was I was really worried using the word portal so much and, and uh, you know, it developed into a drinking game. <laughs> like legitimately, there was like an actual, there's like a Twitter account for the drinking game, for the Ghost Stalkers portal drinking game. Uh, the, but anyway, you know, I, I was worried about mentioning it that much just because it was such an unproven commodity in paranormal research. And it was something that was, you know, discussed. But how many times have people come up to you and said, I think there's a portal in my house? And you're like, oh, yeah, I'm sure that's exactly what it is. But, the, you know, the more that you see that there are these places where there's a high amount of activity and there's seemingly either way too many causes for it to happen or or there doesn't seem to be a cause for it to happen, you can kind of put your finger on it and say, well, maybe there is some sort of thinning of the veil here that things can come through back and forth. It doesn't matter who died in this house because other spirits, other beings from other places can still come through. And uh, right. I, I think that that's pretty fascinating. And, and, and the fact that it kind of was a roundabout way to not have to deal directly with just the idea of ghosts being dead people. Yeah, I mean, I think there are there, there are cracks, and kind of any way you look at that crack, um, whether you think of it as a physical crack um, that you can evaluate scientifically, um, if you create a situation for one thing to happen, that also creates a situation for other things to happen. Um, you know, so you take that along with the kind of feeding, observing aspect of things, and you and you start to get these really, um, you know, multifaceted uh, paranormal activity happening in places. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the other things that I, I want to kind of get your take on that's happened, uh, we, we've seen even more of a pop culture explosion around paranormal topics. 
And, you know, yeah. we, we've talked in the past about how, uh, you know, there was always, like, the ghost episode of certain shows that we liked. And we, we've done Spooky South Coast episodes where we've discussed that. But it seems now like there's more paranormally-themed movies, more paranormally-themed television shows. It's kind of out there, and it's kind of exploded a little bit more when, you know, a couple of years ago, I remember you and I talking about how, well, you know, we're probably going to start hitting the waning point now. It's, it's, it's time for it to shrink and, and time for everybody to go back to what they were doing beforehand. And it seems like it's gone not in that direction, and it's gone more mainstream than, than we expected. Right. I, and But I think... <clears throat> I think the average person doesn't connect um, ghost hunters with vampire diaries, for example. Um, and so that explosion, um, it touches upon the kind of romanticism of the unexplained, of the supernatural, um, but it doesn't necessarily promote it. Like, my wife is a huge vampire diaries fan, but she doesn't like anything vampires. Right, yeah. You know? yeah. And, so I, and so I think that <clears throat> because of that diversity, like The Walking Dead, most people don't associate The Walking Dead with anything paranormal, even though zombies kind of fall into that realm. You know, it's paranormal or supernatural, depending on how you look at them. And so it, it, um, I, don't, I think the saturation can happen of ghost shows or of cryptid shows or of UFO shows. But I don't think we'll ever get rid of our fascination with the supernatural. All right, and Stephanie, we were talking before about you know you coming up at a time when you know the reality aspect of it was starting to hit. So you've kind of got a foot in both right. aspects of it. I mean, what, what are your thoughts on it becoming more you know pop culture and more mainstream? The idea that you know some of these topics are infiltrating other parts of the media. It's definitely weird, at least to me, um, because I think even. I want to say even maybe five years ago, it was a still a, a strange topic to discuss with people or to tell people, like, oh, I'm a medium. Mm-hmm. They reacted really badly to it. So now that it's it's growing the way that it is, and it, people don't even bat an eye anymore at a commercial for something like Ghost Stalkers or Ghost Hunters or Paranormal Activity 47. Um, Coming soon to a theater. Uh, yeah. So things like that are just, to me, it's strange because... I was brought up to keep it a secret. You know, don't tell people you could do this. And now it's it's blowing up to what it is now. And I feel like more and more um, people are coming out of the woodwork as far as paranormal investigators and um, all these newfound interests because of reality television, because of the paranormal in the media. It's creating almost like a phenomenon that, you know, those people will always be in their own little group. They won't ever know what it's like to have that passion beforehand. But um, it's... It's a weird concept to me, I think. Well, I mean, I mean, Chris, looking at it from, you know, as, as writers, I mean, life life revolves around storylines. You know, uh, we, right. we have plot lines that we that carry through into real life all the time and and ghost stories are a plot device that go back to as far back as literature. So it's it's yeah. not a surprise that it actually becomes a a plot device in real life as well. Yeah, and and most of the paranormal can easily be metaphor. You know, it can easily be, you know, um, people understand the topic or people have exposure to the topic. There's, you know, what we, what we call previous knowledge, you know, fancy term in, 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 uh, in locking into people's previous knowledge and education. Um, people know a ghost. People know a vampire. People know a werewolf. People know, um, 
you know, a, a boogeyman. And so to, to, to use that as a story, you kind of already have the, the scene set for you. And so mm-hmm. people can understand kind of like the story of what's going on or the point that's supposed to get at a theme or just sit back and be entertained because kind of like those other elements are already in place because people have knowledge of the paranormal topics. And it's interesting to see how pop culture has changed what that knowledge of them is, you know, what people can do. I, I always point to the student who asked me, well, when you go looking for ghosts, do you have a gun that's got salt in it? Because I guess that's what they were using in Supernatural. Yes. And, and I was like, what? I'm like, well, I've used salt before. I, you know, I didn't really know what it was for, but I was, you know, kind of using it as a purifying thing and the protection. They're like, no, but you got it in your gun? And I'm like, okay, I don't have a gun. I'm in Florida now, but I still don't have a gun. <laughs> well, so. I, I think uh, it sounds to me like you're saying like it's like perfectly okay that we've reached a point now that they're casting paranormal naked and afraid. That's weird. <laughs> Are you asking for my permission? Did, did, did you not get the email? Um, Apparently, everybody in the paranormal got the email. Or... It, it must have been to my mass roster. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I never got <laughs> it either. I think they, yeah, they don't want to see me naked. I mean, well, I didn't get one either, so. I got one. We're not cool. You got one, Matt, did you? Of course you did. You did get one. Matt did, not, yeah. not us. Matt did, not us. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, do I think it's okay? I mean, uh, I think at a certain point, the uh, the games that uh, that paranormal investigators or people who look into the paranormal uh, have uh, gotten uh, from the exposure, I think that tips, and I think that tipped a while ago. <laughs> you know, a, to, to the point where it, go, it goes from being, um, well, you know what, more people are willing to talk about this, to okay, now this has become a parody of itself and. People aren't taking it seriously again, and I think that's as comfortable for people because, however much they like a ghost story, they also like to think that ghosts don't exist when it's comforting to them. Hey, one good thing that can come about from Paranormal Naked and Afraid, if it makes it to television, is that you won't have to worry about anybody hiding a string under their jacket to pull right. any doors closed or pull any. You know what I mean? Like, they won't. It's going to be a lot harder for them to fake evidence on a show like that when nobody's wearing any clothes. It's very awkward. I- I'm just, I'm just scared of like, you know, the specialists that are going on. So like, you know, how does the, how does the, uh, um, this, the specialist in demonology, what's their role in terms of the nudity? Like, what are they going to be doing? I see, you know, not just the investigating, but are they also going to be like going to a library to do research naked? I, I think they have to be naked all the time. I'm not sure. I, I don't know the rules. I've never seen the original the, naked and afraid, so. In the basement it's of funny. the town hall looking up old records, you know. Wearing nothing but what God gave him. I don't know. Well, it's it just going to make it for a really awkward Dunkin' Donuts run before they go out for the actual investigation. <laughs> or the Chinese food afterwards, uh, sir. I'm sorry. Wait, you got Chinese food afterwards? Oh, my word. Almost, you know, like two-thirds of the investigations that I've been on, I've had Chinese food afterwards. That's my that's my go-to. Uh, I'd be lucky if I got cold pizza afterwards. <laughs> well, we are just about out of time with you, Chris. But uh, you know, you talked about you know you're you're making your your, your strides back into the field. But uh, you know, what can people look forward to? What, what's churning in your mind? What, what what do you want to get working on here? Um, I'm right now the, the major thing that I'm working on. It's got kind of like a lot of tentacles coming out of it. Um, is a really true examination of Slenderman. Nice. Um, and this other kind of the 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 tie that is um, the the middle school myth 
um, what urban legends are very popular with these, and why has the nature of those urban legends shifted from uh, older and younger to this very, very specific three or four years of, of development? Why are urban legends hitting them more uh, than hitting other people? Well, I definitely look forward to that. And we we have not done a show yet on Slenderman, so we'll be uh, we'll be expecting you to call in and, and be take part in that uh, once you feel like you've reached that point in your research. Okay. Well, that's excellent. If anyone has uh, stories, feel free to contact. But you know, not to that old one. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you have a new a new new contact email address you want to give out? Um, my my old one, Chris and Jenna four four one at yahoo dot com, uh, is still active. Uh, as well as um, tripping on legends at yahoo.com. Excellent. So there you go. And of course, you can always hit him up on Twitter at Spooky Balzano. That's another great way to do it. And uh, and we'll try to make sure too that uh, at the very least, if, if you know while, while you're working on some of this research, we'll try and uh, collect some stories here on the show too for you to help you out a little bit. Excellent, excellent. You'd be you'd actually be amazed at the kinds of stories that are connected to it. Oh, I, I I've had some discussions with people out there, and they freak me out for something that is you know just completely made up it's certainly taken on a life of its own so but we'll save that for another time yes we will all right well we will talk to you soon and uh and go pats all right go pats <laughs> 27 24 that's what i said all right yeah, 27, that's, 24. that's what we're holding you to all right all right you have a great night thanks for joining us you too thank you very much and for having me on welcome back Bye-bye. Good night. That is Chris Balzano. Again, you can check him out on the web, trippingonlegends.wordpress.com, and, uh, of course, on Twitter, at Spooky Balzano. Uh, we're just about out of time for this week's show. Stephanie, we have about 20 seconds here. You actually know who next week's guest is? I do. This is uh, the start of our, you know, taking a week. Each one of us take a week, and, and this will be your week next week. It is my week. So next week we have on my good friend, Lynn Marie, who is a spirit medium and tarot card reader, and she's the owner of Uplifting Connections in Bridgewater, Mass. So I'm looking forward to talking with her about all kinds of different topics. And we'll be doing some tarot stuff here in the studio. I think we will be taking readings, yep. All right, and we'll have to connect that up with Spooky TV as well. So until then, for Matt, for Matt, for Stephanie, I'm Tim. We want you all to stay spooktacular.